Hi, guys, and welcome back to Tell Me About It. I'm your host, Jade Iovine, and Tell Me About It is the show where we celebrate the bloopers of our very imperfect lives and remind ourselves that, yes, even the women we think are perfect also have lives that are far from. This week's episode is with Karen Civil. She and I had an amazing, amazing conversation. She's someone that I admire so much and has been through so much, but has also accomplished so much. So there's so much, I keep saying so much, but there's so much to unpack in this episode and learn from her that honestly, like I wanted to take notes the whole time because she just has this incredible outlook on life and has done a lot of self-work, especially in the past year. And I think that really shows in this episode and is super inspiring. We talked about everything. Like we really went through it all. We talked about grief. We talked about forgiveness and the roles that those two things play in her life. We talked about what it's like to be an introvert, having to operate as an extrovert, which I think a lot of us can relate to, especially after COVID. We talked about how to make friends as an adult and how extremely hard it can be, which is something we've talked about before, if you've listened before. We also talked about what it was like for her to grow up as a Haitian American, the trauma that came with being othered, and how that impacted her life and who she is today. Okay, first I'll tell you a little more about Karen Civil. Karen Civil is an author, philanthropist, content creator, and global marketing entrepreneur. But these titles are just the tip of the iceberg because she's one of the most recognizable forces behind the scenes in music and entertainment. Karen Civil has developed a powerful influence on everything she touches, including fashion, culture, tech, and even politics. The New Yorker even calls her the woman making Hillary Clinton cool. Karen has been a connector between powerful brands and powerful people for years. She's worked for brands like Beats by Dre, NFL, Beautycon, and K-Swiss. She launched her nonprofit, the Live Civil Foundation, in 2018, which works to supply communities in need with better spaces and a deeper quality of life. Last year, amidst civil unrest around the senseless police brutality against Black people and a global pandemic, she contributed to families and businesses that had suffered through looting and riots, as well as other COVID-19 related issues. She also became an ambassador for the nonprofit Hope for Haiti and helped to raise over $100,000 for relief efforts there. Here is Karen Civil. Hi, Karen. Hi! Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to to be on the show. I know we've been like trying to get our schedules together. So this yes. is um, this is amazing. Thank you for having me on. Of course. I feel like I know you, but I don't know you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so yeah. many of my family members and <laughs> and we have a lot of mutual people in our lives. But I, feel, I, I don't think we've ever met. I don't think we have maybe like in passing and maybe I feel like maybe like a, a Beats by Dre event. But yeah, nonetheless, for sure. Here we are. Here we are. Finally meeting. Yes. On your own show. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. I love your podcast so much. Thank you so much. I get to do it with um, my best friend. She's amazing. We just get to have like, you know, some fun girl talk. When did you start it? So we started it this year. Oh, cool. Ming and I were talking about for a very long time. We want to do something together. We're trying to figure it out. Then COVID happened. And with COVID, obviously we were in the house. Me and her were brainstorming one day and Joe Buttons from the Joe Button Network reached out and was like, Karen, what are you doing? What's going on? And at the time 
I like I did COVID in two places. I went to Miami for three okay. months and then I went to Chicago for three months and like Hyde Park. So then he called me while I was out there and was like, well, what are you doing? And I was like, honestly, I'm just sitting on a rock having ice cream. <laughs> I said, I don't know what's happening with life anymore. And he was like, well, you want to do a podcast? I said, yes, me and me oh have been talking God. about this. And from there, it just kind of like, it just happened so fast. Like me and her put the content together. It was great how we like yes. rolled it out and released it. And so many people supported it. I use like a bit of the Beats by Dre formula, like the marketing campaign of how yes. you put it out. So we had some amazing people from um, Dame's actor, Dameson Idris to wow. Dion Warwick to mm -hmm. DJ Khaled. They helped us uh, with the premiere and it's been great since. We're on like a little hiatus, but we'll be back in a month. Okay. It's called Girl, I Guess for those of you listening. And I highly recommend it. It's so good. It's so fun. <laughs> you just feel like you're like hanging with your girlfriends. It's It's great. That's what it's really about. It's hanging yeah. with your girlfriends, like you said, and and taking away the notion and the stigma of like, you can't sit with us. It's you pull up a seat, sit with us. No mean girls. I love that. I love that. So you've been avid on TikTok lately. I've been watching your organization <laughs> journey. Oh my God. I'm like so envious. Like, in, like my dream is to be more organized and just like better at that stuff. And I just... Mm -hmm. I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, have you always been organized? No. So the problem is in my condo, I had so much stuff yeah. to a point where, you know, where you have stuff and you can't even find it. So you buy it again. Yes. Yes. I just went through that a million times with moving. So I'm like, OK, I then when it was time for me, like I finally moved into my house, I realized all my boxes are just closed and it'll be the mm -hmm. same. It was like the same thing of something. I have like four of the same pair of shoes. Totally. Like this, I was like, okay, this time I have to make sure I'm organized. I know where things are. And all of a sudden, like, you know, Instagram can get very addictive. <laughs> I found organization Instagram reels. Yes. And from there, it was like on my, on the, the discovery page thing. And from there, I just started looking and I was like, you know what? This is what I need. And honestly, <laughs> it has been one of the things that have been so refreshing, but it helps me realize because we are so we're immune to being fast paced, hurry up, get mm -hmm. things done and doing it. It makes me like slow down. It makes me like just really take my time with things. And I yeah. love it because I was spending so much money at Starbucks, eating out, yes. doing all this stuff. Now in the morning, I have my tea at home. I'm cooking more. I know. I saw your kitchen essentials. Yes. But it I'm is like, like a form of self-care. It's like just like declutters your mind. There's something psychologically beneficial, I feel like, in organizing. It's it's so needed. And I was reading this book. It's called like Tidying Up. And I was like, you know what? I needed this. It's so great because as much as I think I needed so much, less is more. It feels good. And my space and like life after COVID has been so different. I love the open farmhouse, like suburban feel now. Yeah. I did the Hollywood thing for so long. I can't do it. And it's just so now it you're in good. the suburbs. Yes. And it. Oh, it, my God. It feels so good. It feels so good. 
Yeah, because people are paying like thousands of dollars to have their homes organized. Like to learn it yourself is incredible. And two, it's because people don't have time. And to me, the whole purpose of doing it is to realize we need to live in the moment. We need Mm -hmm. to take time and really see what's happening. Even how I like at times I won't use my dishwasher. I want to wash my dishes. And like it's teaching me to focus and be present. It's like I'm using it as a, a mental tool for myself just so I can be more present in life, how I deal with things, not being so angry or triggered so quickly. And just, it's helping me have my Zen, honestly. Totally. Because nothing like nothing will make you edgier than like not being able to find something or like, you know, but it's true. Being present is so important, (laughs) but like, were you, you've had such a busy, busy life to say the least, just like career wise and, Were you always present or did COVID teach you the importance of presence? I felt like I was present in certain situations, Mm -hmm. but I was operating as a robot at times where it was like, okay, get this done, go on to the next thing, go on to the next thing, go on to the next thing. I was treating life like, like just, just small pegs and kept going. But then honestly, COVID, you know, I know a lot of people are saying it was a negative effect. I looked at the glass half full. I was like, it's a positive effect. I was on a plane four to five times a week. And now I realize I can do a lot of stuff from home. I don't Mm -hmm. need to always be out understanding like as much as I love work, you know, it's, it's that seesaw effect where you're growing in one place, you may be lacking in another. So when I was spending all this time at work, I'm missing away from my family and doing certain things. So now I figured out prioritizing and that fear of FOMO is absolutely gone. Yes. Instagram, no, I, I no longer have like that jealousy of, oh my God, you know how they make it look good on Instagram? Oh, yeah, like of course. A, a five hour party in 30 seconds. I'm like, yes. absolutely not. Yes. I'm, I'm okay. And it like, I've really utilized that time to get grounded look at new perspectives, look at the glass half full, pivot how I work and strategize. And coming out of it has been, it's been so much better. People are like rushing to go back to the old way. I know. And I'm like, there's, there was a reason for it. Like it's called growth. That old way is not going to work anymore. Yeah. I was going to ask you because I'm definitely feeling like that stress about of reopening, you know, like everything. It just feels like you just got hit in the face with like plans and needing to like go places and do things. And like from a whole year of being so sedentary, it can feel like so shocking. Do you feel like you're being pulled back in or like, are you able to kind of maintain some of these COVID practices? Oh no. There are people who are trying to pull you back in. And it's weird because I'm like, so did 2020 not happen where you guys think this doesn't exist? And people like, Oh, I got the shot. And I said, I said, no, the shot is not like an infinity stone where you think you're immune to everything. I'm like, no, we still have to practice certain things. And I just yes. realized how unsanitary this world was yes. and how people were in your space. And and honestly, the grocery store was like one of my favorite places. Now I still tell people like I'll turn around. I'm like, I'm sorry, just because they're they're not telling you doesn't mean right. you shouldn't do it. Like back up. There's no reason you should be on my shoulder at Trader Joe's. Yes. You're not getting out any faster. And it's the same thing on a plane where like they land and everybody's jumping up. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're not getting off before me. Yes. <laughs> it's Let's true. Relax. Yes. 
<laughs> no, it's so true. Like some of my friends are, like are rushing back to movie theaters, and I was like, if someone coughed within a hundred feet of me, I'd have a heart attack. Like if someone, God forbid, sneezed while I was in there, forget it. I'm not able to focus on the damn movie. Because now you're thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the pressure of it all. But there are ways. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm slowly letting myself back in. Like I went to my friends party pool party yesterday i was like okay it's gonna be outside open space yeah i found a nice little space to sit then all of a sudden all these people started coming i was like mm, uh, it's too many people and i was like yes. even though the the mass ratio is not enough for me too many people i'm out and they were like why are you leaving i said it's too many people in close proximities and personal space just went out the window again yeah as soon as la opened i was like so just hanging on my shoulders, the new thing. It's true. And I'm like a germaphobe to begin with, like I'm a hypochondriac. So I'm like, I don't know how people are just going back to it so easily. Okay, I don't want to take a break, but we have to. We'll be right back. I love that you say that you're an introvert operating as an extrovert. Can you elaborate on that a little bit and how that, you know, pertains to COVID? So... COVID was like a cakewalk for me. I ain't got to be, I didn't have to be outside. I was just like, I don't have to cancel plans. It was amazing. So when I say I, I operate as an introvert, it's just like, I have this personality online that is like, you have to be big in certain things, but I'm one of the most quietest people you can ever meet. And people are so thrown off by that. Cause they're like, I thought I'm like, no, I'm kind of quiet and just like kind of chill and very yeah. like low maintenance. And they're like, okay. I'm like, it's not really the opposite. I just want people to feel good and just tell them mm. to step out, which is mm -hmm. what I do, which is what I did for my career. But just on a personal level, I'm like, I'm an introvert. I like to be in the house. I'm very reclusive when it comes to stuff. On a Monday, I'll say yes. By Friday, I'm like, Ugh. oh my you God. Know? Yes, that is this. I feel the exact same way. Where it gets so bad. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm the queen of canceling plans. It's kind of like, it's it's a negative trait of mine. But it's like, it's exactly right. Like, my worst fear at a party is that, like, I'll commit to a hike the next day, God forbid. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, why did I do that? I'm, and then I have to remember and I tell them, I'm like, hey, listen, Monday me wanted to do it. Friday me, Friday me, mm, she kind of just wants to stay in bed. Yes. But that's what's interesting is, like you said, people assume that, because you do have this larger than life personality and online and you advocate for women, you seem like an extrovert. So it's kind of shocking to hear that you're an introvert. And I think a lot of people will find that inspiring because I think people oftentimes wish that they were extroverted because they could get more done or they could, you know, go to more parties and network. How does being an introvert negatively impact your career path? Like, do you get really nervous before events or... Oh my gosh. Yes. I, at times it can be a hit or miss. Sometimes I can give it all other times. I'm like, damn, I'm really hard on myself. Mm -hmm. I give myself pep talks, which is weird too. I kind of tell people like, I don't want to talk to people probably 30 minutes an hour before an occasion or something. Mm -hmm. I have a power song that I play. Like I'll usually have like my headphones on. What is it? It's Nicki Minaj. I'm the best. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I'm like, that's, that's like, it's that. And then um, the young lady who sings fight song, her name escapes me right now. Um, Rachel Platten. Yes. Rachel Platten. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So 
between those two songs and like even like I'll be on a plane if my on my way to an event like last week I had to do something in Miami the whole ride on the plane I was just listening to that one song and I know the guy next to me was like I wish you would turn that song off (laughs) nope it's me just putting it in my brain getting myself ready yes but I'll tell an introvert, you find ways to just do it at your comfort level. Yeah. That makes you comfortable. Like I found, I found key things that make me kind of step out of it Mm -hmm. and realize, you know, in the career path that I chose, which I'm blessed and I'm, I'm happy I chose this. I get to live a life freely that I want, but I know with that is, you know, me kind of sacrificing my emotions and how I act and who just I am. But I just found ways that work for me. You know, those those power songs, just sitting in silence, because my biggest thing is like energy. When people hug me, like I feel like I take on their energy when they ask you questions afterwards and everything else. And I'm I'm big on empathy. And it's Mm -hmm. like I take on the emotions of everyone. And that's a lot to hold in. Yes. So before and after is silence. I'll go back to my room and just be quiet, no TV, no nothing, and just play my two songs, my Nicki Minaj and my Rachel Platten. I'm going to try those two songs. Those are like, those are perfect. I always say like for every hour I spend with other people, I need like 72 hours by myself. (laughs) We're about to be BFFs too now. Yes. Yes. When I say that, I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay, let's do this event on Thursday. And then I'd like book the next thing for me to do on Monday. And they'd be like, why do you need? I said, I need days to recover. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's it's like I'm the same way. Like I really adopt people's energy. So I feel like before an event or before a meeting or whatever, I can't do something else. Even before this podcast, if I had a meeting before and like the person was in a bad mood, it would affect the way energy. that, you know, yeah, yeah, I would pick up their energy totally. Yeah. So, OK, I want to go back to your 20s. Let's yes. start there. So mm-hmm. who was Karen Civil at 25? Ooh, 25. What were you doing? What kind of person were you? Oh, my gosh. What's that? What's that? Um, She's my favorite Kardashian, and I can't remember her name. Not Chloe. Chloe Courtney. 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 Yeah. She was like, I'm just, she's like, I'm just living life. I'm just living yes, life. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. That was me. I was working with. Little Wayne, I mm. had my website, KarenCivil.com, was doing well. Everybody wanted to know who I was. I mm. felt like the peak. I felt like a freaking social media rock star. Wow. And I loved it. And I was just like, vibes, living life. I know people kind of are generic when they say it now, but life was freaking amazing. I was so glad that I took a chance on myself. I'm in, I was in Los Angeles yeah. having an amazing time. Like just going to Disney World on the first. I got my dog. I got my favorite car out here. Because when I was when I was younger, I created a vision board. They didn't call it that at the time. It was of just course. like you take scraps and put it on stuff. Yeah, it's like a collage then. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a collage. And I put all these things on a collage. Like I want to move to LA. I want to live in a glass house. Mm. I was like, I want a drop top car. Mm-hmm. I want a Yorkie. <laughs> and at 25, I had all of those things. Wow. And I was like, I had like this glass condo in downtown LA. Everything was just like vibing. I got my my BMW drop top and I didn't put like an age on it. And I want like listeners to know there's no age on success or things mm-hmm. like that. It happened to come together at 25. 
And I was just so blessed and happy because it's just when you, I come from a very structured and rigored family who, who don't still to this day, they don't understand like job descriptions and titles are big for them because they're very old school West Indians. Right. So it's like when you have a brother who is a doctor and you have a brother who is a detective, they're like, yay. Okay. And you're like the Denise, um, from the Cosby's of the family where they don't understand what it is. So it's like to be living my life and I'm going on vacations. I was like leaving the country two times a year. I wanted to see the world. I did my twenties. So right. I'm not going to take anything back. It was honestly a roller coaster, ups and downs, but I enjoyed the ride for every minute of it. Wow. Wow. Okay. There's so much to unpack there. So like, when did you first move to LA? I moved, ooh, like 11 years ago when I was 24. When you were 24. It was, it was, I got the job with Beats by Dre. Oh, is that when you were 24? Yes. Oh, Wow. I got the job with Beats and I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Mind you, I lived in New Jersey for, since I was like four years old. Well, like six years old. Yeah. You're from Elizabeth, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I lived there since I was six. I didn't live too far from my dad. I played it safe. Mm. Like I felt like I had a good safe life, but with Mm -hmm. playing it safe, you reach like that kind of glass ceiling. So I said, if, if LA doesn't work, I can always come back home. Cause I felt like I had my version of what success was. And I was like, Karen, go bigger, go bigger. I don't know if you remember that Kobe Kanye commercial when he was like bigger, bigger. And I just kept saying that to myself. I was like, Karen, go. I had my car, my dog. I didn't even have a place yet. My friend let me live with her. And the first year was kind of hard because I didn't have friends Mm -hmm. and Beats was still a new company. It was inside of Interscope. I was like, I think like the 12th employee. And I was like trying to figure it out. And I knew my personality, like I was from the East Coast, we're like very quick and we talk fast and we're like, go, go, go. And then LA was like, vibes, chill. Like, yeah, we'll get to it tomorrow. Relax. And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to work. But then right. it it has been the best decision ever being out wow. here. Wow. So g- tell me about that first year. Let's really dive in because I think people will assume that it was so easy. Like you got the job, you, you know, had the BMW, you got the Yorkie, you know, but like I assume it didn't feel that quick to you. Oh, no. First year, I was like crying every day. So <laughs> it first is a time difference. All my friends oh. and family... And the guy that I was in love with was on the East Coast. So I'd had to get up at 4 or 5 a.m. because we'd want to talk on the phone. And it's just like, then I'm seeing all my friends on social still go to parties, still go to things and meet up. And I hated it. And it took a minute for my car to come. Uber was not here yet. So you still have to take a taxi and my friend would give me a ride. But then she'd have to make stops. And I didn't want to go meet people with her. I just wanted to go back home. So the introvert introvert was kicking in (laughs) and, you know, I've never lived with anyone. Like I've always had my own room and she had a house and, you know, I had my own room there, but it still didn't feel like mine. You know what I mean? Totally. So that first, but then people are like, why, why don't you just get a place? I said, I don't know where I want to live. I don't know what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. I'm still testing the waters because if this first year sucks, I'm on the first thing smoking back home. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to try it and see. But I didn't give up. Things started to fall apart. Me and him, me and him stopped dealing, like, broke up, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that. We broke up. You know, friends call you less. Yeah. But that out of sight, out of mind thing hit. And instead of wallowing and going, oh, people are forgetting about me. Say, Karen, you got to stand 10 toes down. Like, if right. this is what it is for you, make it work. Beats was uh, tricky as hell. Yes. <laughs> the first year, because it was no playbook. Yeah. Like, they kind of like created. Yeah. They created this position for me, and it was like trial and error. And, and um, we made it work. And, and that's what I was saying. It's just like, really, it was that roller coaster. It was ups and downs. Yeah. It was not easy. But now what I tell people is like, you know, I wish I had my core group when you first get here because yeah. you could get lost very quickly. Totally. Absolutely. Um, and how long did it take you to like get your footing in L.A.? Like, um, I said almost, and- like close to two years. So the second year, what was amazing is I started to get invited. A lot of the agencies I knew from New York started to invite me to stuff. Mm. Pharrell dropped his. Um, he had this cream liqueur. I don't know if you remember. No, I don't. It was called cream, which was weird because he doesn't drink. Yeah. But it was like a non-dairy pink bottle. It was so pretty. They had like a pink one and a white one, like a, okay. another cream version. So they had this big party for it, like in this big Beverly Hills house. And I went. So I saw him there and he was just like, oh, who are you here with? I said, by myself. He was like, okay, like, where are your friends? I said, really no friends like that yet. Yeah. You kind of meet people, but they're acquaintances, not Pharrell friends. Pharrell is asking and you I was this. like, I've met, yes, just yeah. having normal conversation. Yeah. Like, he's very inquisitive. And he was just like, I was like, well, I met people. I have acquaintances. Everybody don't know each other and things like that. And he was like, yeah, well, you should fix that. You should do something. And he was like, Civil's your last name? You're not. He was like, I don't feel like you're appreciating or moving on that enough i said mm-hmm. okay for pharrell to tell you something like that i felt like that was advice yes and the agency that was doing his liqueur was like listen um we think you should have some sort of brunch or something i said well i don't know people here and then i said wait a minute you're talking negativity into your plans karen yes mm-hmm. i know a lot of women here and i said i want to bring them together and i formulated this thing it was called the Live Civil Brunch. It was my second year in L.A. I had it at Manny Haley's restaurant. At the time, he was like Keisha Cole and Nicki Minaj's manager. Yes. So he gave me his restaurant. Cream, Pharrell's brand, sponsored it. Women were not allowed to bring a plus one. I brought women from all different walks that I met because I realized at times we may not realize it, but we can get very clicky. Like, yes. But it's be- it's because we sometimes form clicks because we think these are what people have in common with us. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to take away that feeling of being in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Remember in cafeteria it was like jocks. Yes. It was like the pretty girls and it was the goths. Then it was this and that. And I said, I want to take that away. I grew up on watching TRL and Carson Daly mm-hmm. and I remember how he would turn into a chameleon and he would like be whoever the guest was and make them comfortable. If NSYNC was up there, he put the braids in his hair to look like Justin. When the hot boys were up there, he put a grill in and it was just so transparent and great. So I said, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to bring, I met women from reality shows to executives to whatever. And it brought them together. It was maybe like 35 women, a very small dinner. 
And that's what helped me. And those women met each other. We let our guards down. We toasted. I did it in November because I feel like that's usually towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. We always remember the negative things that happened to us. Like, oh, next year I'm going to do this better. or I'm going to cut this person off. said, F that. Let's toast each other. Let's toast our accolades. You know, we're getting ready to go off into Thanksgiving and Christmas and get busy, New Year. But let's take a moment to celebrate one another and create synergies. And that brunch is really what helped me. So we're going into like the 11th year <laughs> this year. Wow. You are definitely coming. Oh, my God. I would love I would be honored. Yes. Are you kidding? You, you are definitely coming. My mind is blown. So you've been doing the same brunch for 11 years. It's- yes, but it's gotten bigger and oh bigger God. and bigger. And I will say I usually like to utilize like Nick Cannon. Let me use his restaurant. Yeah. Neo let me use his house before. Like, wow. I like to get men to like, hey, support what I'm yes. doing, but you can't come. Right. Support it. Let me use your house. It. Let me use your establishment, certain things. And this year... I'm working on it to be like, well, I can share with you a little early. I'm working with this company who is going to help me. I want to bring two women who kind of want to be in the entertainment Mm -hmm. field who are fresh out of college. We're going to find two women, bring them this to this year's brunch. It's still early. We're working it out, but also pay off all of their school fees that they may have recruited during during college because it sucks when you're now making that transition totally. from college to career and you're in debt. You have a mountain. So, yes. Yes. Ridiculous. So I want to be able to help them make that transition and give them a chance to have a, like have a great start. So it's, it's going to be so amazing, especially the year we had last year. I want to blow this one this year out the water. I'm starting early and I'm excited. I'm excited. You're going to be there this year. Oh, I would love, I would love it. Okay, I just like need to appreciate this for a minute because it's so, so many people in their 20s, like I talk to and Mm -hmm. even my friends and they have such a hard time making friends and we're like, okay, like how do you do it? Like, let's say you're introverted and you don't want to go to parties or whatever. Hearing that you hosted a brunch is like, it's literal. You know what I mean? Like it's so like you, you wanted to make friends so you hosted an event. Were you afraid that people wouldn't say yes at first? Or were you afraid that no one would come? Oh, definitely. It's like, oh my gosh. You know when you first send out the invite? Yes. I'm like the one I wait the first two minutes. Like, yeah, you're like, refresh. Ref- yes. The coordinator be like, Karen, you just sent it out. Chill out. Everybody RSVPs right before. Like, chill out. And I was nervous. But then as the woman came, I said, listen, I'm nervous myself. I'm scared. These are new territories and waters for me. But let's connect. Let's find ways to build relationships, community, fellowship, and things like that. We don't have to pretend to be the best of friends, but we see each other. Let's acknowledge each other. And every year it has gotten bigger and better. And this is something where people are like, yo, I want to come to your brunch. I'm like, I wish I could invite the world. But I spend so much money on this. And I'm like, this is my treat to these women where they leave with a beautiful Mm -hmm. gift. To a point, you know, uh, I'm doing one now with like, I have another version with the NFL. So it's like so many people understand the importance of this. And I'm I'm like super excited with this one. I'm like, okay, last year we couldn't do it. This year we are doing it. I want women to feel good. You'll see women dancing. You leave with a great gift. You have a really nice meal. 
you're connecting. It can be from a personal or business level. Because the thing is, I want you to leave full and whole and know that your cup was poured into. Because at times, women with careers, our cups are depleted, but we continue to pour. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. Like, and they probably make new friends, you know, through it, which is so cool. You probably started so many friendships, like without even knowing. It's so, and and like, just even that brunch, like you've been doing it for 11 years. It's so inspiring. Like, I'm like, okay, should I host a brunch? Because, you know, if you think like these friendships or even like romantic relationships, you're just waiting for them to show up at your door. But Mm -hmm. I think like what the brunch proves and just your whole career on top of it is just executing you know just like actually doing the thing just stepping in before you're even fearless you know like you just have to go into stuff and just like throw yourself at it and see what happens right yeah I I was like I'm doing this for me but at the same time I'm doing it for the women that I knew too because I'd be like hey do you know this person no some people like no I don't know them or why would I know them I'm like come on let's Let's again, you know, we it's not the fake kumbaya thing, right? But it's it's strengths. It feels good to like, even if we have issues or whatever it is, we like toast, we have a good time, and it's just great fun. Where it's like, it's not too long, it's like from 12 to 4. So you get dressed, you still have your day, yes, and it's and you leave like, I love it because people be like. Whew, I left refreshed. I feel good. And I'm like, I'm glad you do. And that's the whole like, that's the whole like premise and purpose of it. But this year I'm trying to go big. Well, you're so thoughtful. I'm trying to go big. Yeah. I think that's like, the, there's so much love behind it. And the intention is so pure and empowering that I think people, you know, obviously feel that when they go. That's incredible. Okay, I didn't realize we'd talk about a brunch for like 10 minutes, but that's (laughs) really like I just think that that is so important for young women or like just people in their 20s or 30s or whatever to hear is like you can't just wait for the thing to show up. You have to just act on it and you'll meet people along the way. And it's like now you're not only making friendships yourself, but you're like having other women make friendships. That's so cool. And then just to hear the conversation of women, one of the women who've been to every single one, she's like my VIP, Nina Parker from Nightly Pop. She's been to every single one. I love her. Her and I met through social and she comes to every single one. She's like, Karen, do you know I met some of my closest friends at your brunch? And I, I love that because honestly, you know, we put on our smile, we put on our makeup, we put on our clothes, we do our things. But it's just like at times the world can be very dark. We can, Mm. there are times where we say, how are you doing? People don't really answer those questions, honestly, Mm -hmm. because we don't want to burden the world with things we have going on. So if I can make another woman feel seen and special for that day, let's do it. Because I know that feeling. So it's like I'm pouring into me and I get a chance to pour into so many other women and we feel good. And it's like, we really feel, I know we say we shouldn't live off of validation, but at times we do want to feel validated in our world and for our peers to see us. And this is a way of saying, we see you, we honor you, we love you. And yeah, it's just affirming in one another. And I, and I, um, I'm like smiling saying it because it feels honestly so, so, so good. So good. Oh, it's so incredible that you do that. But what keeps coming up for me, and I know you mentioned empathy earlier, but it just sounds like you have 
so much empathy. And usually that has to come from somewhere. So I know your parents are from Haiti, right? Mm-hmm. And you grew up in New Jersey. Did yeah. you? So I was yes. born in Brooklyn and okay. then raised in Jersey. Yeah. Okay. So there are some cultural differences there, right? Like, did you feel mm-hmm. othered as a child? What was your childhood like and how did that affect you wanting to have women be seen and have a seat at your table, essentially? Because I wasn't seen. Mm-hmm. And instead of, I just didn't want to be disgruntled. Now it's cool to be, have all these, you know, mix of blends and mm-hmm. be multicultural. It wasn't cool then. An immigrant was an immigrant. It was black or white, you know, and being in Brooklyn, you know, I was in Flatbush. So I was around a melting pot of, of Haitians and West Indians. It felt good. And that was my home. It was safe. Yeah. But our school caught asbestos and they sent no us way. To, yes. And they sent <laughs> us to boy and girl scouts because they didn't have enough schools to send all the kids to. Wow. So me and my brother would go to school for like three hours and then we'd come home. And my mother was like, I'm sorry for saying like, it's a little bit of a curse. My mother's like, oh, hell no. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Because we come home yes. like, what's for lunch? Right. What are we doing? And then, uh, you know, they're teaching you. I'd be in the backyard doing my homework, which was like mm-hmm. making a fire. And she's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> she was like, she was like, what's your homework? I'm like, oh, I got to, you know, they give you like a knot. That's insane. Like you'd have to like make a knot and do all this. Yeah. She was like, oh. Oh, no. Then one day I came home after school, if you want to call it that. And it was about she was like, hey, me and your dad bought a house. We're like, "Okay, where? She's like, New Jersey, new school. You're going to start tomorrow. And I'm like, what? So we'd have to wake up early, go all the way to our school in Jersey. And they were not nice. I'm not even going to like those kids were not nice to me. And that's when I realized I was so different because I really didn't know it was like a multicultural of different worlds and melting pots because Mm. my mom, especially my dad worked a lot, but my mom kept us very sheltered and loved Mm. and you're going to school. And it's like, I didn't know it was a difference. Like back then, I don't want to say now people treat it as a difference back then. It's like African-American kids, didn't consider me one of them. They're like, okay, you're Haitian. I'm like, no, because we. I just looked at your skin like, we're black. Like, it's like, we're black, I'm Haitian, same thing. And they'd be like, no, you're not one of us. And I'm like, okay. And then, then Haitian kids, at that time, all the Haitian kids were in this class called ESL mm-hmm. because most of them came from Haiti and they didn't speak English, wasn't their first language. Creole or French was. So they put them all in this class. And then me and here go me and my brother. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, they tried to at first when my mom went to enroll us. They were like, uh, yeah, they need to go on ESL. They was like, you're Haitian, right? So ESL. She said, no, no, no. My kids speak English. Mm. My daughter, re- my daughter knows how to read and write. And this was for first grade. She was like, so whatever this is you're trying to do, I don't think so. Put my daughter in a normal class, put my son in a normal class, because they're probably more advanced than the kids that you have here. So Let's make sure this is this is not going to be an ongoing issue because I keep a lawyer on retainer. My mom I is one of those. Yeah, you don't play I love with your her mom. Children. I don't even know her. Yes. <laughs> you don't play with her children. So we went to regular class. My brother was Mike was one year older than me. He was my best friend. So Haitian kids weren't nice to me because they felt like I they called me at the time. It's called a Yankee. 
which is where your Americanized version of where you're from. Interesting. A Yankee is like, you know, a Yankee doodle with shorts. So it's like, they're like, oh, you're a Yankee. You think you're better than us? I said, no, I don't think I'm better than anybody. I just speak English. I'm like, I speak Creole too. I speak French too, but I wasn't born in Haiti. Like, I'm like, y'all not about to be past, be pissed at me because my mother had me at Kings County in Brooklyn. Like, right. It's not my fault. Like she took an American Airlines flight a little bit earlier than your mom. What you tripping on me for? <laughs> so Haitian kids didn't like me. Black kids didn't like me. They didn't feel like I felt in line. And, you know, the, the I didn't have the stereo. It was just so many stereotypes growing up. They're like, because my name was then too, when, when like teachers read it, yeah. teachers were even a bit stereotypical of me because my name is Karen Civil. So on paper, they don't know what that is. And I walked into class. Here's this girl with glasses and my mom, God bless her soul. But I was like, Ma, just put me in some jeans and keds. She dressed me like, like, you know, your Easter outfit. Yes. Every Every day. day. (laughs) Every day. Fifth grade is when I finally got to wear jeans on Fridays. So So you wore a dress like every day. Yes. With ribbons. And she'd wake me up. I'm like, she's like, no, presentation matters. Presentation. You got to be the best. You got to go into the world. You got to go into the world giving your best and blah, blah, blah. But then kids would make fun of me for it. And it's just like, I did not like myself growing up and the world and society and stereotypes made me hate myself. And I get emotional talking about it because I get sad that I didn't get to have a regular like kind of life with friends because I had to have these adults or these things like, listen, I, I didn't ask to be here. My mom brought me here. I didn't ask for my name to be Karen. I didn't ask to like, you know, speak these different languages. And like, I just want to be friends, y'all. I just want to ride bikes, y'all. Like thinking too much into it where um, it was hard. And like girls picked on me. I loved my brother because he didn't care who you were. If you touched me, he was knocking you down. Girl, boy, teacher. He had my back for so long. And then my mom was like, listen, I love you guys, but I got to split you up. She was like, Karen, I know this is hard. She put my brother, my brother went to a gifted and talented school. I was like, oh, no, no, I can go too. She said, nope, I need you to prepare yourself for this world as I've sheltered you. I've mm. thing, but she was like, I know you don't know what some of these things are, but this is how people are in the world. Everyone's not nice and everyone isn't going to like you. And just because you're a good person doesn't mean people are going to be a good person to you. Right. And I'll never forget. She said, listen, I know I love Disney movies. Mm -hmm. She said, you're not going to really understand the premise of a Disney movie till you're older. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to find love and glass slippers. What is all this kumbaya? Like, just be nice. I'm just nice. And now I'm older and I get it Mm -hmm. and I get it. But like growing up was tough. It was hard. And I think that's what makes me have empathy and understanding for people. It's like, you know, people can have a bad day or people are going through things. I extend grace because unfortunately that wasn't given to me as a child because my town was fucking mean. They chose to be segregated by choice. It was the Portuguese hung with the Portuguese, the Blacks hung with the Blacks, the Puerto Ricans mm-hmm. hung with the Puerto Ricans, Dominicans hung with the Dominicans, Haitians hung with Haitians. And here I am frolicking around. 
I'm Haitian and Dominican. So it's like, they're like, oh, no, you got to go over there. No, you got to go over there. Or I'm like, listen, a girl just wants to eat. But I eventually found a great friend and a friend who lived across the street. She was, um, her family just moved from Guyana. And me and her became friends. And then I got this, my friend Dottie. And she kind of let me into her world and it made it a bit easier. But, you know, high school kind of was the same too. Yeah. Where, you know, like I was an outsider, but like a cool outsider. And people just, you know, I realized like people just aren't going to, like your light, your energy, just when you walk into a room, it's going to aggravate people whose soul isn't aligned, who have egos, who who for some reason your light sparks dimness in their soul and it has nothing to do with you. And for a long time, I thought it was about me. I'm like, girl, this is not about you. It's about them. Your mother put a lot of love into your heart, into your spirit, into your soul. And everybody doesn't have that. So I just now extend a lot of grace and empathy and understanding where that's why my brunch and certain things, how I show up and wanting to be helpful and I like overcompensate in that space is because it wasn't given to me when I was younger. Right. And that can be so extremely traumatic, to say the least, like when you just feel and it's impossible to not internalize that as a child. You don't know why people dislike you for without even knowing you. Of course, you're going to think that's about you. Or when did you first start addressing that trauma? Therapy a couple years ago. Yeah. Therapy. And, and you know, that's something where. Like I'll say in a black household, mm-hmm. therapy was a conversation you just didn't have. Totally. Therapy, they, you know, was disguised as a, we don't do that. And mm-hmm. you know, you know what we is like black people don't do that. We don't go to, we don't tell people our problems. It's to suck it up and deal with it. Right. Big girls don't cry. All of those fake notions they told you, like sadness wasn't an emotion you can deal with. And when I, when I realized I goes back to why I mentioned the thing with my mom about Disney movies. She said, you'll get it older. I was on a flight going to New York and I was watching Inside Out, the Mm -hmm. Disney movie. I love that movie. So I'm on the plane and it hit me what the movie is about. Mm -hmm. The premise of it. And it's like, even though it's all her different emotions and um, happiness is she's trying to find her happiness. She could not find her happiness till she dealt with with sadness, which she was tucking in and suppressing and trying to show up as something else and not dealing with what was bothering her. I had a whole like anxiety attack on the plane and started crying. The mm. students were like, what's wrong? I was like, I can't <laughs> And yes. I'm like bawling. And I was like, this is what my mom means. And I had to go back. I literally rewatched every Disney movie because I was like, okay, this is the real premise of it. Totally. This is what it really means. Here I am thinking it's trying to tell me I'm gonna find a man. And yes. <laughs> I'm like, you know, and I just said everything had a bigger story. And that made me realize, like, Karen, you have a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of deep rooted things that were handed down to you. My parents are very old school. They're not going to go to therapy. They're not going to apologize. They're not going to talk about things. They did the best that they could. So for me, I said for me to be the best that I am and to show up breaking those generational curses. I have to go to therapy. I have to do the spiritual work. I have to show up the way that I want. And I have to forgive my parents. So I have to show up in this new space where 
you know, now it's okay to talk about therapy. It's okay to talk about your feelings. It's okay to talk about, you know, aligning your chakras, writing in your journal, understanding your emotions, putting yourself first and not shying away from that because depression is real. Mm -hmm. And I have to remember those things. And I'm like, Karen, you have this life, you have this spark, do not let it dim. And that's something that I continuously tell myself. So I do the work. Every day is different. It's, you know, people, it's not just a quick fix. Mm -hmm. I still talk to my therapist twice a week. I have a spiritualist that I talk to on Tuesdays at three. I'm still doing the work for myself with my crystals, my sage, talking to God. I do, you know, I follow the Muslim prayer. Mm -hmm. So I'm praying a certain amount of times a day. And it's just because I want to just break those curses that were there prior so I can show up full and whole as much as possible for my children. Absolutely. I love that. So we talked about how traumatic that sense of not belonging was. Like you said, you know, healing is not linear. You One day you feel like you've got it all handled, and then the next day something still triggers you. What still can knock your confidence today? I deal with insecurity. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm like, I find ways to like channel it, to fix it. I just deal with insecurities where at times I'm like, okay, I may not like myself today. I may not do this, but I do the groundwork to make myself better. But it's just, my biggest thing is just like, I deal with my own insecurities on how I show up. I can't, I can't blame society anymore because society isn't pushing anything on me. It's what I'm taking in. Because now we get to, which I love about this day and age, is we curate our lives. We curate what we take in, what we see, what we read, what we listen to. So I have to continuously do the work on what I take in to make me feel whole and special. But insecurities is something that I'm constantly dealing with. I I think it's so important that you say that because you come off so you have this full life. And I just wonder, do you think that confidence can be learned Because you don't have to be born with it, right? I think people think that if they had the experience that you had, that's a life sentence. And it doesn't have to be. How did you learn self-love and confidence? Oh, it's something that takes time. You do Mm -hmm. the work. My affirmations, I say to myself, from my blessing jars to writing in my journal, to listening to Sarah Jake Roberts, to just what I'm listening to, what I'm taking in. And it's, it's really doing the work on myself. Because mm-hmm. we get so focused on the outer body. Yes, people like, oh, you look, because I was at a point, I like went vegan, I did all this stuff. I was like, oh, I love the way I look. Mm-hmm. But on the, it doesn't matter what you look on the outside if you're not healed or rotten so on true. the inside. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, Karen, you look great on the outside. Then I started to become so obsessed with it. Okay, I don't see the six pack enough. I need to do this. I don't need to eat. I need to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Karen, you should be focusing on your mental. Why is this so important to you? What is this? Like, do you love yourself? Are you waiting for somebody else to affirm it to you? Why do you give away love so quickly? Is it because you want it back? So it it's something that's continuous work that I do from books that I read and information I take in and understanding a world is not going to love you if you don't love yourself. Yes. That's the most important thing. It's so true. It's so true. So, you know, we talked about Instagram. It's just, it can be such a toxic fucking place, you know, like even Mm -hmm. if you 
feel even if you've mastered social media, you know, it can be really hard, especially for women. I mean, I, I can't speak for men. I don't know. But do you compare yourself to people online? And like, are you more or just in general? And are you inclined more inclined to compare yourself professionally, physically or like personally? I used to do a lot of comparing. I don't anymore. The wonderful thing is now my algorithm is all organization mm. and vacation and inspirational videos, which is great. It took me yes. a minute to get there. But I think for me, the biggest kind of thing and hurdle at times I feel is it can play within your insecurities is the comments and what people may say to you. And it's like, it's not like I'm looking for it. I'm scrolling through, you know, on your activity wall. Like we've been in COVID for a year and people's comments on my body because I've gained some weight is like, okay, well, are you pregnant? Are you this? Did you? And I'm like, listen, and it bothers me the most because some of the comments were women. And I said, listen, we've just come out of COVID. Don't ask another woman about her body. Yes. Don't like, like, let's be respectful. Let's give each other grace. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I wasn't working out during that time. I wasn't doing certain things. Like right. those are the type of comments, you know, at time that can be a little bit irking because, because I give you access to my life mm -hmm. does not mean you have access to comment and give me an opinion mm -hmm. on my life. Right. Just like and go, bro. Just yes, like and go. True. Just like and go. So, you know, true. if if you don't like me, you shouldn't even be following me. So it's just it's that. And then it's those other people who don't necessarily want to work for their success. They want to take your success. So they create this friction and they create these negative na uh, narratives of you in their favor. So it's just, that's the only like dimming sad part of sometimes with social media. But other than that, it's just like, I post and I go. Yeah. You, yeah. You, it just doesn't affect you as probably because of all the work you've done. It just like, maybe you still feel it, but it doesn't take you down like it used to. No, it doesn't. It doesn't take me down. It doesn't take me down like it used to. I'm like over a lot of things now. Yeah. So how many years ago did you write Be You and Live Civil, Five Tools to Unlocking Your Potential and Living Your Purpose? I think it was like four, four or five years ago. So with the book, it was supposed to be longer. Mm -hmm. I signed a book deal with Cash Money Publications mm -hmm. with um, Baby and Lil Wayne. And then they were going through, you know, their hiccup for a bit. Right. And in my contract, it said, you know, my lawyer kind of figured it out. I could release a few chapters and things from it. And I still wanted to put the book out on my mm -hmm. birthday mm -hmm. and still just give people some sort of like, you know, just feel good. It was a quick feel good type of thing. And 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 that's what I did. And and that felt so great for me to put that out because. You know, I know we it's like I have this curated life on social um, where people be like, hey, I want to know more. If you could be transparent, I'm like, I'm mm -hmm. as transparent as possible. I'm not always going to talk about pitfalls. I don't think we should just relate to negativity. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know how I did it. Steps I, you can utilize how I'm still growing and you go from there. But I loved it so much. I'm working on a new book, Civil oh, Disobedience. Wow. Oh, I can't wait. So this one is much longer, very good book. I'm partnering with um, Target for this. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm really excited to just talk about the growth, the change, the emotional turmoil. I feel like the last few years have been super transparent. People have 
People have seen me cry. People have seen me broken. People have seen the good and the bad. And, um, you know, people are like, hey, you don't talk about it on Twitter. I'm not talking about it on Twitter for free. Right. You can get my book and pick it up. Yes. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. So is it hard to revisit some of those hard moments? Um, yeah, because a lot of them are, are a lot of them. I still have sadness and grief. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and I think those are the parts that hurt the most because 2018, 2019, I think 2018 was supposed to, was like a career highlight. I was loving that year. And then towards the end, I got very sick out of nowhere. And then I thought like, frankly speaking, I thought like I was going to pass and I did it. And then one of my close friends died maybe two days after I got out the hospital. And that was like my world in Los Angeles. So it's like, I've tried to, grief is one of those things that kind of like come and go. Totally. And I think in the book, it was therapeutic for me because it's still hard to talk about Mm -hmm. because nobody really tells you grief is really like love with no place to go. Mm. So you don't know what to do with the emotion. So it's like, as I'm going through that on a personal level, six months later, my business partner passed. Oh my God. And, and I was just like, okay, you got to think like, I've never really dealt with death. Right. And then now I have it like back to back. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, oh, okay. And you still have to show up and rise to the occasion and certain things. So it was needed for me. And it's still a process. It's not something where grief has an expiration date and you you go past and things like that. So I I needed to revisit a lot of things to early family trauma stuff. My Mm -hmm. cousin did to me as a young child to, um, you know, uh, Mac Miller not being here. Like every Mm -hmm. day I feel it, you know, this was, this was the person I moved to LA with, you know, this was my friend. This is where I spent all my time out of work and just my personal life to working the last few years with Nipsey Hustle, mm-hmm. and then for him to pass. And right. it's just like, it's, it's one of those moments where you're like, all right, you know, like what, what the, the fuck? hell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck, what's happening and not giving up. Mm-hmm. you know and then we had COVID here like 2018 was crazy 2019 then COVID and in the midst of COVID colleagues and friends that I knew were committing suicide because it was just a lot so I'm like a lot has happened in the last three years and this is this is helpful for me and I hope it'll be helpful for the next person mm-hmm. to reading it but it's just more than just like grief and certain things. But just from that aspect, I know I got long winded with it, but just from that aspect, it's like it was something that I needed to do to help myself. Yeah. And grief is something that can be so isolating because, you know, we're people are so uncomfortable with it to talk about it. They want your you know, they they think after a year you should be fine or people are so impatient with the discomfort of grief. Did it feel isolating to you? And what's something that you think people misunderstand about grief? It's very isolating because people say, I didn't know what to say. And they know you're sad. So they kind of like remove themselves and not realize Mm -hmm. 
you may just need somebody to be there to cry with. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. And I'll say I had, um, I had, I had some amazing girlfriends who are like my tribe. Like when, um, I believe it was, I, I think it was, I forget who it was. My friend, Bessie Donna, when she heard the news, she just came to my house and she sat there. She sat downstairs at the time, like she sat and I wasn't answering like the concierge and nothing. She just sat there and I went downstairs and it was crazy because I finally went downstairs. I said, I need to get air. And I just collapsed outside and started crying and out of nowhere, she was there to pick me up. And that's mm -hmm. what friendship is. Mm -hmm. But that's one out of a, a lot of friends where they don't know what to say, mm -hmm. where it's just, it turns into a, they don't know what to say. They want to leave you alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, it, it's very uncomfortable. I wish I knew what to say to people, but the best thing to do is like, you be there for them. Definitely. It's the smallest things from maybe you drop off some food, you leave some fresh flowers, or you just sit with them. Yeah. I think so many people get caught up in saying, like, if you need anything, just call and I'm here, you know, and they you don't hear from them for another two months. And I think there's something that's important that was important for me to learn through grief was like just show up and hold space. You know, like, don't yeah. say, like, I'm. if you need anything, don't leave it on the other person. Just, like, bring the food. Do, you know, do the thing and if see if they need you because it, you're right. It can feel and, – and it's not over after six months. You know, like, you need people that keep showing up. And to keep being there. But at times it's – people don't do the work for themselves, so it's hard for them to do the work for you. Mm -hmm. And – it's a difference, like you said, of like when people say that generic comment of how are you or like if you need anything. Listen, my mom told me this very early. Don't ask, offer, mm, you know, I love that. and and that's the most important thing where it's just like offer to be there for somebody. If you're like you need anything, I I don't even know. Like, I hate when people be like, so what do you want to do? Do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. Right. I have I can't like think my yeah, like my mind is about to combust. I don't know what's wrong. Like, don't give me something else to think about right now. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and people try to be there for you, but you know, um, that's why I just again I'm big on extending grace and having mm -hmm. empathy. People mm -hmm. try in their own way, but I I say like I read the five love languages, mm -hmm. you know, on friendship. There are different versions, but it depends like for you. There's one for work, for friendship and things. I read the one for work and friendship. And that that helped me become a better friend. And I would suggest people read that because it shows it's not how you think you should show up. Understanding your friend, your loved one and how they would like you to show up. Do they just need somebody to hold their hand? May they need a gift? May they need words of encouragement? Like really understanding them and not making it about you. And that's the biggest thing with grief is people like, well, when I was, I don't care about mm -hmm. that. I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. About me and my grief right now. Don't want to hear a story. Don't care. Do you got the flowers or not? Do you got tea for me or not? And it's just. <laughs> no, it's so true. 
I've been talking to my friends a lot about that a lot recently because it dawned on me the other day when I was at a friend's birthday party. You know, I was thinking about the golden rule, like teach, treat others how you want to be treated. And I was like, I think that needs to be rewritten because people show you how they want to be treated. You know, like you treat people often how you want to be loved or how you see friendship or how you want to be shown up for. And that's so true with grief. It's like it doesn't matter what the hell you wanted. You know, it just yeah. like it's you're you're absolutely right about that. But I wonder because you went through so much grief and you were you, it opened so many doors of forgiveness or like just things that you needed to forgive from your past. How are those two concepts related for you or are they? It's kind of related, but then it's not, which is interesting enough when you're dealing with grief, funerals and passings, you really see people's true colors. Mm hmm. You really get to see how people show up, what they think about you, how honestly, how I'm, I'm trying to say this in the and not trying to say politically correct, but just respectful way. People can either be a lightness or a darkness mm -hmm. when you're going through tragedy or triumph. You really see how what people think. And with that, for me, it's like the biggest thing now and how I kind of take from it is. I try to be that person that I want people to be for me, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and really understanding that friendship, that person, how can I be of service? I'm a person of service and gratitude. How can I be of service? What can I do to make you feel better to know that you are loved and appreciated mm. and X, Y, Z. And that's really the biggest thing I take from it. I try not to think negatively. I know it's like supposed to be places of, forgiveness mm. nah people when people show me your true colors you know what i take it and i accept it because mm -hmm. people show you colors that you've never even seen in the crayon box so true so i accept it i take you for who you are and i was big on like as a kid i'd watch animal planet mm -hmm. right because my parents wouldn't let me have an animal and i now look back and i i see people at times, there are, four, there are four types of animals. And in this world, at times, when you're dealing with grief and triumph, you'll, these four types of people will come out. One is a crab. A crab is the person, that crab in a barrel, you heard that they want to bring you down. Just, just, you know, it's just everything around them is just come to negativity. Right. There are chickens. Chickens do not really fly. They stay low to the ground, mm -hmm. very mediocre. That's the mm -hmm. person that's putting fear and doubt and want to play it safe into your life. And it's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that. Nah, well, I'm going to chill over here. I'm going to be very mediocre, whatever. That's your choice. There's a snake. A snake is a person who puts poison and venom into your life, maybe from their attitude, how they act, maybe speaking fear into, into something, putting self-doubt, I mean, putting doubt into your plans, into your life, whatever. And then fourth is an eagle. That is the person who continuously soars. That's like when you think about an eagle, just soars. They may be by them. They're most likely by themselves. They continue to elevate during, during um, trials and tribulations. They continue to go. So with that, I'm like, when somebody does something to me and they show me their true colors, yes, I forgive you, but I don't need to reconcile and have you in my space. We don't need to continue a friendship because I'm never going to forget. It's just a Scorpio in me where then I'm like, you did what you were supposed to. Like I said that to this girl who I thought we were great friends who continuously talked about me behind my back. 
And I said, listen, I'm not mad at you. You did what you were supposed to do. And she was like, what do you mean by that? I said, you're a snake. Mm-hmm. And she was so mad. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want me to talk about you behind your back? No, I'm going to tell you to your face. You did right. what you were supposed to do in my life. You were a snake. I saw it. I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. You tried to put venom in me. No, it didn't work. And as the eagle I am, I continue to soar. Good seeing you. Stay out my I space six feet. Six feet six before feet. COVID and after COVID. Thank you. So, I love you so much. That's incredible. That is that's so, that. it's so true. You know, people often like will ask me because like I'll notice something in someone, but it just like, yeah, it's like a forgiveness is kind of silent in that way. You're like, okay, noted. I know that side of you now. And like, I know mm-hmm. that there's that. So like when people show you who they are, believe them. I believe it because when people show who they are, we have this thing of turning into Stevie Wonder and just pretending we don't see it. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. If if you are red, I'm gonna see you as red. I'm not gonna paint you as a different thing. Yeah. I'm gonna take it for I'm gonna take it for what it is and just just believe and just believe my eyes. hundred percent. Okay, we gotta take a quick break and we'll be right back. So many women feel pressured to find like their purpose. There's so much hype around purpose and pressure. What do you think about like finding your purpose versus and, like what you should do with your life? Oh, to the women listening, do not let society rush you. Like remove the clocks from your home. Like don't wear the watch. Whatever it is, don't put this emphasis we on like oh I have to do it by 20. Mm-hmm. I have to do it by this. We live in a very microwavable age where everything is happening so fast. Of course, now millionaires are happening younger and younger and people think they have to like hurry up and attain this. No, 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 no. Like take your time with it. Oprah was starting out at what like she was doing. She got her first radio at what, like 30, 40 years old. There, Gina Davis had her twins, like when she was 50. Take your time and live your life. You know, find yourself. There was a year I took off and I moved to Italy. I don't know what I was doing. No way. I went to go find myself. Did I know what I was doing? No, but find yourself in this world because once you find yourself, you will find your purpose. Mm. Don't let society and life rush you and make you feel like, because now people like act like, Oh, if you're 30 year old, knock it off. Mm -hmm. This is when you're in the best season of your life. Mm -hmm. I can like people like, yeah, you see all these 30 and 40 year olds with all they have all the sneakers and things. I said, because they can afford it now. They can afford it. They worked hard. And now I can go like, you know, I had a um, somebody leave a comment like, oh, I can't believe like I got these Jordan Dior sneakers, all these people on there. Like, I can't believe you got them. I said, what do you mean? You're 18. Why do you think you'd have $8,000 sneakers? I can go do this because I can afford it now. I said at 18, no, I probably would just have regular air forces like you should right now. Like don't rush life, enjoy it, have a great time. And you're going to find your purpose. It will come. Yes. Just really take time knowing yourself, pouring into yourself, realizing like, okay, what, who, um, what am I becoming? These are questions I ask myself every night on a video diary. What am I becoming? What do I love? And what would I like to be and see? Mm. And these are honest questions I ask myself 
where you should like, I suggest, you know, the listeners ask themselves too and have a deep, honest conversation with yourself. Sit in that silence and record yourself and play it back and see what you have to say and what matters to you in life. But do not let this, you know, this world we live in now is mm-hmm. happening very fast turnover rate mm-hmm. I swear I just felt like Trump was president we blinked and he's gone and now we have a new one and it's albums come out it could have came out in January and people's like oh that's old I'm like whoa 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 I'm still listening to Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson right. albums from 25 years ago like let's continue to take our time mm-hmm. enjoy this and and slowly find your purpose. Do not let life rush you. Mm, I love that so much. I'm, I'm also going to steal your that video diary idea because that's genius. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah. It's the best thing. I started during COVID because it's. I want to be able to explain to my kids, um, like when they say, what was COVID-19? Mm-hmm. So I've made a video every day since COVID. And I've asked myself those questions. There are days where it's good, it's bad. I'm crying and everything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to edit them and put them all together wow. and just have them so I can show like, this is this is what I went through during COVID. This I wish is I'd done what that. life was. So st- smart. I mean, you, you, you still can and you take it like you, a milestone or something that may be important to you. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I have over a hundred videos. I'm going to edit them together. Some days, like I was in the tub crying. I may be on the balcony other days. Yes! yes. Man, I love COVID. God, give me another year of not going out. And other days I'm like, I just want to see my friends. Yes, yes. So they can, they can know because a lot has is, is happened mm-hmm. and we blink and we blink and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And, um, this is just helping me remember because, again, this year was a lot. We had so much social unrest, turnover, the Me Too movement, and just entertainment and how we're showing up and everything else has been, you know, however you look at it, it could have been. I tell people we needed that year to see the insight on just the world couldn't remain the same and we needed the structure and change. So to the person listening, take your time love yourself. Do not allow society and life to rush you. Remove all the clocks from your house if you have to. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, last two questions. What is the most mm-hmm. off-brand thing about you? Off-brand? I'm the biggest Backstreet Boy fan. Backstreet <laughs> Boy fan. People be like, what? What? I'm like, don't talk to me about NSYNC. NSYNC yes. is not doing anything what the Backstreet Boys are doing. I used to sit outside TRL, that glass, ah, screaming, doing the whole nine. I had a website. I was my first website. I started in 1997 for the Backstreet Boys. I went to see them for my birthday, which was so amazing. Oh, my God. I sounds got, so fun. I got the backstage passes to take the picture <laughs> with them. And it was so funny because Kevin knew who I was. No um, way. You know, yes, because I would send them headphones from Beats by Dre. Smart. Like, <laughs> that was like, I said, that was my end when I would... <laughs> Omar Johnson, who was uh, the marketing uh, president at the time, he was like, why are we sending product to the Backstreet Boys? I'm like, Omar, <laughs> I do a lot of things, but I'm going to need you to mind your business on this. They deserve headphones. Mind your business. I was like, they're touring. He was like, touring where I was like, mind your business on this. Let me have this. And then Kevin thanked me on Twitter. It was and- all worth it. It was yeah. all worth it. 
Then I went to see them and Kevin was like, I was like, hey, I'm the girl who sent you the headphone from Beats. He was like, from Beats by Jersey. Like, Stop. Yes. Oh my God. I'm the biggest, like, I had the front row seats. I'm telling you, people were looking at me like, like, I remember when we were going down, like, one of those, I was like, hey, um, is this the, is this the way to the Backstreet Boy concert? And they were like, <laughs> like, kind of confused. Yes. And people were like, yeah, the show you need is this way. I was like, no, the show I need, because it was the same night Future was performing. I said, oh, the my show God. I need is this way. Mind your business. I know where I'm going. I was like, don't judge this book by its cover. <laughs> I am keeping yes. the Backstreet Boys pride alive. So oh that's God. the most off, off-brand thing is that. And most people don't realize, know that I like love to surf. I love really? to surf. Yes. It helps wow. me remain grounded where um, surfing, I have realized, helps me keep the calm in the storm. Mm. Because you have to do so much in a little bit of time. But yeah, those are the two things, Backstreet Boys and surfing. I l- those are <laughs> amazing. Those are like the best answers I've ever gotten. All right, you're finished. Thank you so much. Karen. Thank you Seriously. so much. I- Where can people find you? Like, what's your Instagram handle, website, book? Everything, Karen Civil on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, all the things are Karen Civil. Perfect. And you can see all of the content that I create on karencivil.com mm-hmm. with my YouTube and then my Live Civil brand, which I'm really excited about is about empowering um, the next generation is Live Civil everything, livecivil.com, Live Civil Twitter, Instagram, everything else. So I love that. yes, thank you so much thank for having you. me. This is such a great conversation. Oh, I loved every second of it, truly. Thank you. So I hope you loved our conversation and fell in love with Karen as much as I did. I just learned so much from her. She has such incredible wisdom and retrospection on her life. And I think we all could take a page from her book, literally and figuratively. But that's it for us today. Have a great week. I'll see you back here next week. And as always, please follow, rate, and please leave a comment on our show page just to tell us if you're liking what we're doing. Or if you have any ideas or suggestions or just want to talk, you can always text me. The number is in my bio on Instagram. Thanks for hanging with me. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.